0: I'm Lisa Hammer from the Venture Brothers. I play Triana. And if I'm listening to Pirate Radio, it's only Hench Life Pirate Radio. I will listen to nothing else. This is the only show I will listen to. All the other ones are just trash.
1: You know, it's getting weird. I mean, look, that's like having Bob Ross stand up and be like, we shouldn't censor art. I'd hate to have to slaughter all of you in your sleep. (laughs) Uh, Did you see that Bob Ross Banksy video? No. No? Yeah. It's worth checking out. Uh, Banksy went and did a piece on the wall on the wall the exterior wall of the jail that housed Oscar Wilde. And he did the video with Bob Ross narrating
0: it, like a deep fake type thing.
1: No, like Bob Ross narration. So we're just gonna put a happy little one right here. Like oh, so he just overlaid season.
0: some some Bob yeah. Ross on it. Yeah, like, uh. yeah, nice.
1: Fucking it, it's, it's pretty solid. It's worth checking out. You know what else is worth checking out? The rest of this episode. Oh no no no! Right I tried to transition messages,
0: back, and and I wasn't allowed. I'm sorry. I was prepared for an argument. That was. Awesome. Or is this abuse?
1: <laughs> you know what? It's, you know what's really abuse? Our next sponsor.
0: Well, hello there. It's me, Tiny Atorny again. Have you or a loved one been a henchman that stormed Venture Compound and then awoke a reanimated corpse of their former self? Perhaps you had a college internship at Venture Industries and now experience hallucinatory dreams where you thought you had four arms and became a tribal people trying to take over the world called Palamon. Or perhaps your child attended a day camp and came back as a clone slug. If any of these describes you, you could be entitled to involvement in a class action lawsuit for hundreds of dollars. Please contact Tiny Attorney, down on the bayou, next to the nuclear power station. Remember to look for the big fella on the porch in the rocking chair. I'll be the little guy poking out of him. Tiny Attorney. Cheers! the bed, your brother. People care. Well, just be quiet. All right, fine. People really need to know this stuff.
1: And welcome back to what is now probably the episode you tuned in for. That is the second part of our one episode. (laughs) An episode so good, it gets two whole parts. Uh, We are now one hour into a two hour recording. And I feel like this is a great place to pick up. So when we left off, what commercials were you watching? (laughs) Oh,
2: Back then it would have had to have been, uh, what was big in like 08, 06?
0: (laughs) Well, at that time of night, Slap Laptop. chop, girls gone wild. Uh, Did you guys
2: get the uh, the insurance company uh, with the general?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. the general. Yeah, and like yeah, those were big late at night. The spokesperson. Yeah. Do you remember JG Wentworth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Like I feel like there would have been a Geico caveman somewhere. Yeah. Uh, maybe some Royce up.
2: Was that Double Eddie from McDonald's era, or was that too late?
1: Double Eddie, I don't remember Double Eddie.
2: Double Eddie, Double Eddie said everything twice. Everything twice. No, Uh, that was an early one.
1: I think I I might have dropped commercial television by that point. We dropped commercial TV, like, but 2000. Well, I mean, this would have been 2006 when this episode came out, right? So I I, I mean that, I, I feel like Girls Gone Wild is there. We probably would have seen some like commercials for like, I don't know, watch Big O. <laughs> well,
2: and plus we're getting into the later night, so you, you, you do get the classic um, like the sham wow guy. Uh yeah. that
0: guy. <laughs> Oh dude, yeah, no, uh, uh, what was the the oxyclean? yeah
1: uh, i also feel like you would have seen something for Tybo. Billy. Billy oh shit
2: like- i forgot about that guy oh <laughs> damn yeah he always made me feel like a lazy piece of shit even though i was like like 12 years old like
0: <laughs> he was in a
1: movie he was in several
0: i will i remember him in this like movie where he's like uh Wise old black janitor teaches white kid karate to defend himself. Well, I guess it was Tai Bo, not karate. Uh, it was like an early two thousands, late nineties, like uh, just riff on on Karate Kid. Uh, it was, it was around the Buffy era. Like I'll say that, you know, pretty white kids in high school doing martial arts,
2: trying to get off that Power Rangers book. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think that uh, I think it's a good start. I think we should spend another thirty minutes on this topic.
0: Well, especially since you just promised our listeners that we were getting on with it,
1: and we are about to get it on with thirty more minutes of obscure commercials you completely forgot about. I think there is actually a podcast there. Where you just look at commercials from certain years and be like, dude, what were we thinking? I'm sorry, have what were heard- they thinking? Like,
0: this made you want to get Zoo Pals? Really? Well, like, I when I have days where, uh, like, I'm just really maladroit, like, I'm super clumsy. Like, learned I come- of the episode. Yeah, learned it from a Weezer album. Uh we could like, do a whole yeah.
2: podcast series on the progression of the now CD commercials and how they <laughs> did get better eventually.
1: Like,
0: <laughs> no, that's true. Damn. No, like we um, oh, got to like now
1: forty-five. Like, <laughs> I have an idea. What if we created an album called "Now That's What I Call Now That's What I Call Music," <laughs> where it's just retrospectives of the retrospectives,
0: commentary oh. tracks for the the, the songs uh but no yeah when i'm having like a day i can't do anything right i call it an infomercial day like this is why i need like something to help me handle like a loaf of bread or like put my socks on or some weird dumb thing that i could is normally your do cat
1: making too much noise <laughs>
0: <laughs> is your window like are your windows letting too much sunshine in it's like yeah but those Venetian blinds are so old.
1: It's like... <laughs> right? I feel like we would have had Snuggies around that time period, too.
0: Yeah, the well, okay. Period. And we can't forget the, th- the shit that actually, incidentally, was good. Like the Snuggie. Right? Like, that, like holy shit, that thing was great. Uh, the Ninja Vacuum. Or no, not the Ninja Vacuum. That was the Ninja, the Ninja and Bullet food processor, right? Yeah, yeah. Shark Vacuum. Like these all started as as like made for TV products that actually like holy, shit, they were onto something.
1: Uh,
0: sex phone lines.
2: Is that still a thing? Are one nine hundred numbers still around? Like I feel like the internet sort of like exists. <laughs>
0: I feel like cam girls are kind of like the 900
2: yeah like, yeah 900.
0: But the problem with that is in terms of like industry translation you as a cam girl are directly visible as where you as a disembodied phone voice were not so if you had a pretty voice golden see clearly you you've seen pass. the
2: uh 1900 episode of Beaves and Butthead, where it's then the like 400 pound woman on the other end of the phone who sounds like the hot 20 year old chick, but she's like 49 in a moo Like, you could still pull that gig off. Wasn't
1: that the entire plot of the Aerosmith Sweet Emotion video? <laughs> <laughs>
2: i honestly don't have that one
1: like it was like this dude he makes the call and there's this like hot chick on the other end And at the end of the video it's like a woman who looks like homer simpson in a muumuu ironing
2: i don't have it at the top of my memory but that would be absolutely that that sounds about
1: right mom yeah yeah you know what else sounds about right the fact that within the hour, the entire Venture family will be dead, followed by dramatic music and letterbox. No, no, no. And then going back to the Venture compound where alarms go off, we are entering peak Brock Sampson. Similar to the events of the episode Home Insecurity, steel plates begin to slide down over the Venture compound windows. Alarms go off, the whole thing. Dr. Venture complains about it happening again when Brock runs in, yelling for Doc to get in the panic room. Uh, can you
0: describe Brock? At this moment? Uh, now, granted, uh, because we, we accidentally broke this up in two weeks, he's naked at this point, right? Naked, just naked gloriously covered, naked, covered in blood, and knife. And, and, yeah, and, and uh, a sensor box. Now, apparently, uh, according to the, the Venture book, uh, the, the Go Team Venture, the sensor bar was always there. Like, unlike later on in the series with, with the Jonas Venture and a few others, uh, there was no actual, like, Brockcock, apparently. Like, the, the whole thing was always black bar because black bar is easier than drawing, like, you know, a big, veiny, rubbery one, Right. Uh, and I'd imagine, first off, he'd probably been super erect from killing. That's just the kind of guy that
1: he is. <laughs> can, we talk, can we talk for a second about cancel culture again? <laughs> <laughs> so you've, you, you've missed a really important element about Brock Samson. He is holding a severed human head.
0: I was getting there.
1: You would have gotten there if the power hadn't cut out in the entire Venture compound. And then Rusty reminded you the backup generators were going to turn on, at which point they did and then go off again, making Rusty Venture realize this is different.
0: Oh, and I love the way he delivers that line too. Like, you don't get a lot of moments of, of direct clarity. Like, Doc's always some version of like jaded or sarcastic. He's seen everything. He's done everything. He's crawled in every hole, you know, like he's just like been there, done that to like the nth asshole degree. But then when he sees like Brock like this and I'm sure he's seen him in a similar state to understand because that's when he's like, oh, oh no, then my, this is, this is a whole different ballpark. I am in actual danger now. Here's
1: a question for you. As Brock is his, like, manservant, right, slash bodyguard, is Brock the definition of power-bottoming? Mm. That's what Rusty said. <laughs>
0: I mean the second
1: you started describing it I immediately thought back to that quote that that story you were telling me about Aleister Crowley in the desert (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it was but just the way you phrased all that just brought back up you tell me that story and I was like huh does this does this adapt so it's like Crowley in the air (laughs) yeah
0: so uh Rusty probably bottoming you guys so hard he went crazy. (laughs) So
1: So, Rusty he's on himself and then like Brock tells Helper to help Rusty get into the panic room. Helper transforms into his like killing machine with his like (laughs) whirling fan blades like we see a lot of character development from Helper in this moment. (laughs) Right. He and like uh battle
2: mode
1: <laughs> yeah so we're back at the restaurant dr girlfriend is berating phantom limb and the monarch for their decision to kill the venture family and fake date running off crying respectively of course dr girlfriend leaves to huff loves, leaves in a huff to head to the restroom to you know powder her nose or perhaps
0: gargle some asphalt and then
1: we okay, can see so- that that date is going
0: very poorly when she said she was going to the bathroom, I immediately, like, at 18 years old or, or you know, around that area. Now, I guess I was maybe early 20, around that time. Uh, I totally thought of that scene in, in cult fiction. And I still, in my head, want to see that. Just like you hear the noise and then Sheila whips her head up. Not <laughs> damn like, like with her voice
2: <laughs> to put up show. with his shit he, she has to basically become Uma from Pulp Fiction <laughs> I can see that
0: I mean really the difference between her and Mia Wallace I think is uh, not a lot like an acting career like a failed acting career like uh, Mia Wallace I, I don't know about her general arching as a person but like, uh, she got that. One tells me she gets up into hijinks, you know, based on what we've seen. Like, <laughs> Mila and uh, Mia Wallace are not hijinks. different people. I'm sorry, one more time.
1: So she is definitely into hijinks. She's like, "Oh, my husband wants me to go out on a date with his employee. We're gonna need a whole lot of heroin." It
0: could be Can you imagine? She didn't. I don't think she knew it was heroin.
2: No, she thought it was coke, and that's why she snorted it.
0: Like that much of it. Yeah, because she thought she was going to like party, party, not like you know, slow the fucking train down.
1: <laughs> Can you imagine how different that movie would have been if she just hung out with Mitch Hedberg?
2: They would have gotten high and been really confused when the yeah, there started knocking been no, on the wall.
0: There would have been no dance contest at Jackrabbit Slim's. They would have fell asleep in the parking lot and in an outburger.
2: In the drive-thru, still. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Where we all die, there. So,
1: this next scene is one of Brock's finest moments. There's an assassin searching a dark room. He's got his laser-sided gun. A naked Brock lands on top of him and stabs him. And Brock, of course, Does like, ooh. The knife goes in so deep you almost can't you're almost not sure if you feel it, right? But if you tell me what the target is, you might make it out alive. Right? The guy says foreign robot, so Brock sides out the knife and kill the commando is like, I think you got the kidney. I don't want to die alone. (coughs) Don't go. Rock's like, I don't think I hit your kidney. No, you totally did. Uh, please uh, uh, hold me. Hold me? Okay. Uh, look, I- I'm sure I missed the kidney. I mean, you could bleed to death in like four hours, but I see a tunnel. I'm scared. Could you
0: stroke my hair? This dude has no hair. He's bald. Which by the way is a complete accident according to the uh, the commentary like he was supposed to to have hair
2: um, happy accident
0: yeah and then like you know it was an incidental joke that I I think plays out like uh as somebody who was balding like I I love the idea of that like you know if I'm laying down dying because hopefully that'll be in years from now and the rest of my hair will be gone the first words out of my mouth are gonna be like stroke my hair (laughs) <laughs> like, Hold up, let
1: me, go, let me go get your brush from 1998 <laughs> You're going to start rubbing my back
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's
1: wrong So uh, Brock, of course, is like, look, you're not going to Could you sing to me? Could you sing a Technotronic song? Maybe, Maybe pump up the jam? Look, I don't know What about Move This? Do you know that one? (laughs) At which point Brock, being his first, is this the only singing he ever does? Uh, But he starts singing "Move This." He starts going, "Baby, let me show you how to move it."
0: All right. So, uh, as as somebody who is both, uh, I want to say. Like, you know, you, you know a lot about music. You're a DJ, like, uh, but you're also a pretty well, uh, you know, mindful guy. Like, you know, I would say you're, you're in tune to people, you're very humane. Um, what is it about move, like that, that particular song, that is like comforting at the time of death?
1: Uh, the fact that the guy looks like he wants to be a robot. Like, he heard the Spice Girls. Tell me what you want, what you really want. He was like, I want to be a robot.
0: But then, like, why not ask for a Daft
1: Punk song? Because it's 2006, and I don't think the rest of the audience for Venture Brothers was clued into homework. Although, they pro- I don't know how they could have missed Discovery.
0: Yeah, I was going to say Harder, like uh, harder, Better, Faster, Stronger was on Discovery. If you wanted to be a robot, that's the song you ask for, I feel like. Uh, in, in that point of empathy, but like, yeah, no, like, why that particular technique? Technotron- like, it had if you're a grief, well, yeah, if you're a grief therapist and you're like songs to like meditate on to help you get past, those like, here's a technocratic album. <laughs> I love the idea of like,
1: song. I love the idea of a therapist flipping through an old CD wallet, right? Like the big, like the four per page, really? I guess eight per page uh CD the one wallet. To have
0: in tequila mockingbird
1: yeah exactly and so like you know the first one it's like james taylor uh vera lynn uh you know domingo placido or domingo placido and you know depending on how you uh, read it like technotronic <laughs> you, you flip the page and it's like Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley and like uh, uh, Garfunkel, you know, <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel and Ted Nugent, like, you know, maybe Lords of Acid on the bottom right-hand page. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know where like the idea for Technotronic came from, but it is so perfect that it will never be replaced.
0: Well, and I know that that's one of your favorite, like, gags in the whole, whole show. Uh, it, it's very much like the same way when I imagine the one scene from from Christmas Vacation with the, the sled and the non-nucleative <laughs> cereal varnish. <laughs> like, whenever I recall that on my own, I will like, ha right? I feel like you do the same thing when you think about this. You're just like, good times, Technotronic.
1: Dude, it is, it is instant joy. It truly is. So we're back at the restaurant, and the monarch is signing his new policy. Phantom Lim asks if the monarch loves her. The monarch refuses to answer, saying it's too high school. Phantom Lim says that for the monarch's sake, he hopes he does. The monarch hopes Phantom Lim doesn't, but he does. What? Uh, at the Venture compound, Brock is trying to contact Helper, except there's nothing to contact except for a head. The camera pans over to reveal Dr. Venture's arm. Rock calls up his two-way, but there's no reaction or answer. Quick pan a little bit further, it's a pool of blood, and the arm is not attached to Rusty Venture anymore. At the restaurant, Hank and Dean have been peeing for the last 20 minutes and continue to do so. Dean tells Hank everything is ruined, but Hank tells Dean he needs to take the initiative. Phantom Limb walks in and sees them in the bathroom and sneaks into a stall unnoticed. This begins one of the great Venture Brothers moments in the entire history of the show. One of the most eminently quotable moments of any Venture Brothers episode ever. I would venture to say that the strength of this episode just on this one scene alone would put it in the top 10. But combined with everything else about this episode, Easily puts us in the top three.
0: I guess it's all right. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, think about this for a second. This whole scene would have played out entirely different in a truck stop bathroom.
1: <laughs> for manly <laughs> love and be here at 1159.
0: <laughs> right. Like accidental, like lot lizard gets accidentally murdered. like. <laughs>
1: So, this scene... Oh, Vod, you need a moment? You look like you're nope, about to
2: lose Nope, 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 today. We're good, we're good.
1: <laughs> I
2: was, I'm the return so, of the return of the, uh, the lizards.
0: <laughs> so, a yeah, lizards. no, uh, true story. Vod, in order to uh, pay for veterinary school, uh, actually was a lot lizard. That's why he works with reptiles. So.
2: And also how I got from California to Nevada.
1: <laughs>
0: Ah, yes. The unwritten
1: book of the road. <laughs> oh, the good book. You follow the good book? Oh. Would you do it for me?
2: Rest in peace, George.
1: And Carrie.
2: Oh, fuck. And We're living in life. a shitty world. We're living in a shitty, shitty world. <laughs> no,
1: nah, man. We're living in the... like. Really, if you think about it, this is the best of all possible worlds because you now have access to the sum total of their entire catalog.
2: True. Fact that.
0: So... The world is only better after people die because they can't make more things for you to get behind on.
1: Nope. The world that's is the, better. Thus
0: said the book of binging.
1: The world is better because you like for instance how many people do you know who waited until wandavision was done in order to watch the whole thing none
0: yeah yeah, fair enough
1: i i I know a couple yeah why would you i did the same thing with the wheel of time books i stopped in 96 or 97 it was like i am not fucking doing this until he gets finished and then I read all of them back to 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 back in like just a couple months, one summer before Henny was born.
0: See all that instant gratification. Like look at it.
1: Yeah.
0: I know. That's the thing. People are bitching on like that thing that kills me. It happened when the boys came like boys season two came out and then WandaVision. They're like, why are you doing weekly? I'm like, Gather around, children, around the con, the floor console television, and allow me to tell you a time where you had to be at TV in a certain time and place. Otherwise, you might not have seen that episode ever.
2: Yeah. How long ago was 2000? Like, holy crap. Like, I didn't think we were going to have to re educate people on weekly programming, but that's like been a thing now. Like, oh, when
1: did the first season of House of Cards come out? Because that is when everything changed.
0: 2006?
1: That was the first thing that gave you the entire season all at once. Uh, I feel like it was like 2013.
0: Yeah, 2013. I don't know why I thought it was so early.
1: Bear in mind, we've only had eight years of this. Like, it hasn't been that long.
2: And yet they forget so fast.
1: Well, and also bear in mind, we have an entire generation of media consumers who have never known any different.
2: Eight years is just long enough to be an established consumer of media. And
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, how old were you? And I know like for Beast, this happened really early. Like Beast got really comfortable with his like uh, relationship to and navigation of media. Like Beast got savvy early. But how old were you when you started watching shows and you felt like you were getting it?
2: I remember reading the TV guide in first, second grade territory and just wanting to know what was on when and what all the channels had, what were the channels that I didn't have on my TV and what were they showing?
0: Okay. A couple um, of questions. Was it TV guide, like paper magazine paper, TV guide? Paper, or TV I was gonna say, guide. was it the one that would come in the news Like used to come in the newspaper, like the Sunday Circular. The little
2: book that would literally in the back of the book would have every movie that was going to be on television and the quick little synopsis blurb about what that movie was. And I read all of those. Uh, That's how I know things about movies I've never seen before. I know tons of things about movies I've never seen just off that little blurb. I know a little bit more than somebody else about it. And it all started
1: with TV guides when I was as little as I can remember. Do you remember prior to WandaVision, the last time no. you had to wait? <laughs> you had to wait for an episode to air because as venture fans, we never got over this. Like we were never so indoctrinated into the whole season all at once because that is not an experience we had as venture fans
2: there's there's type a entertainment and type b entertainment in my brain there's the things that get dropped weekly i've followed a bunch of the uh the dccw stuff so that's all weekly drop um and then there's been the the line, which is the new shit which is you know here's a season here's a season here's a season there there's always been like a, a separation for me but i i guess when it's such big television as something like WandaVision or Mandalorian people just can't fucking handle it anymore because they're just so I don't know if it's ADD or what but it's just been become glaringly apparent basically since Disney plus started dropping its own original programming that people can't handle it
1: (laughs) the advantage of doing it weekly is that you are just extending the conversation quotient
2: Oh, for sure! It's what Lost used to be, back when people gave a crap about Lost and talked about it every week. Like,
0: oh yeah, no, I was actually, uh, I was working at a television station in in Wilmington. We were the the affiliate airing, uh, you know, Lost and, and Thirty Rock and all that, and they had genuine like water cooler conversations about that, like fucking water. Like, I blew my mind to how stereotypical it all was like, did you catch a lot? I was like, no, I don't give a sure. I don't know. Uh, And then it was like all ostracized. And I was like, well, shit, I guess I'm gonna have to catch up. Uh, that's how I started 30 Rock. Uh,
1: that show was a gift to humanity.
0: It really was. Uh, unfortunately, like lots of it's not aging well, which is unfortunate. Uh, but in other parts, I think are again, spreading that misunderstood line like the live episode with the john ham uh tracy morgan sketch when they're doing you know kind of talking about wandavision as an ode to television uh 30 rock would do their live episodes and their commercials were always like that same ode to television uh and then they would do these like sketches and stuff and they did like an amos and andy and it was totally that same uh line of like we're pointing out why this is bad, but people are offended by the mechanisms we're using to point out why this is bad. Because it was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen, like the, the actual black guy napping and finally decking the guy who is like in blackface for his portrayal. It's like, well, yeah, of course that makes sense. Duh, that's the thing. Like, you always kind of, you, you always want to see is like, how did that guy not beat the hell out of him for being a racist dick like six feet away, yeah. right? <laughs> and and the, the sketch gave that to you, um, but now it's like one of those like, well, John Hamm was in blackface. It's like, yeah, otherwise he wouldn't have gotten punched. That's the fucking point. <laughs> like, it's literally a punchline.
1: It is literally a punchline. That it is. You know, this is where we get one of Hank's better punchlines, too. Where Dean points out that Hank has a stain. He's like, ah, duh. Come on. Why does that always happen? I shook it so hard I almost hit that pink puck. (laughs) Dean says, "Well, did you dab? What? Dab, did you dab? Uh, No, I dab. Well, I don't, you should dab. Stop saying dab.
2: <laughs> I've literally got that snipped out and it is a text alert for a couple different people in my phone. Uh, nice. Just do you dab? <laughs> it's just like, yes, there you go. Very nice.
1: <laughs> dab, did you dab? I dab, you should dab, stop saying dab. It's up there with, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. Yeah. One of my favorite just scenes with the boys.
0: You know, I I actually had to, uh, well, you know, I actually had to say that to to my kids unironically. I was telling you about it. Uh, My kids have started watching Fortnite videos. So they're learning the dances and stuff. Yeah, it's... Just Uh, wait, it's worse than the Thomas phase because I can get into trains. Uh, I I don't know if I can do any of this crap, so they start dabbing, and everything's like, Dad, dad, dab, watch me dab, dab, dab. I'm like, Stop saying dab, and then I just hear Audrey die from the kitchen. (laughs) Like, I'm like, Oh, that's that's funny. Like context, haha.
1: <laughs> I I have also imagined this conversation taking place in a reboot of a Cheech and Chong movie.
0: Ah.
2: Uh, nah. Do you
1: dab. Stop saying dab. <laughs> Do you dab. I dab. You should dab.
2: And that is actually why it's on a couple of people on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) There
0: you go. There you go. So, do you dab? As a matter of fact. uh... (laughs) Once
2: you get over here. uh, Yeah.
0: (laughs) Speaking of getting
1: over there quickly. Brock. We do it slowly. (laughs) Brock is in Adrian. Still naked. Still covered in blood. Dr. Venture is calling him on the two-way. Brock tells Dr. V he's on his way to get the boys, but Dr. Venture mentions that he's not okay. Uh, Brock, I'm not okay, not in the least. Dr. Venture is sitting in the panic room, surrounded by his own blood. The only thing keeping him alive is their lack of storage, specifically that he has the Christmas tree stand acting as a tourniquet on his bloodied stump of an arm. Naturally. Of course.
0: uh, He's like even like deadpan fire Brock, like Brock, if you don't come help me right now, you're fired. Yeah.
2: Right. (laughs) This is your employer.
0: (laughs) 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 I love all the pompacity like of which he delivers that. And I get that this might have been like a retcon thing, which by the way, retconning a jerk to make him look like more of a jerk, brilliant. (laughs) Uh, or or a happy accident I don't know it it could go either way with Venture Brothers but like we assume for a long time that Brock is paid by you know Venture when clearly he's paid by OSI i.e. taxpayer dollars uh, you know to to bodyguard Venture for you know whatever reason right Um, but like this whole now that we know that and going back and watching it and he still asserts, like, this is your employer. <laughs> like, I'm your boss. Come save me.
1: <laughs> this is to, kind of the
0: thing, man. Because,
1: like, Rusty is, like, not even the client.
2: Now, you have to imagine Rusty. OSI sold it to him that way. There's no way Rusty lets OSI just sort of drop Brock on him, unless OSI kind of, like, gives him a little... Bit of a ego boost and being like, "Oh no, you need the protection. We need to like there." There had to have been some ego stroking going on to get Brock into their I think that's Orc.
0: in the the Unicorn in Captivity episode. I think that's what that machine does. Because technically, it's <laughs> called the ego stroker. So, no spoilers. Like we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> they used a
1: prototype back then. <laughs> <laughs> How many times do you think Brock has had to watch that?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean I would say about as many times as like Shore Leaves dropped a boyfriend in in the Mind Wiper. Like
2: is that a euphemism?
1: <laughs>
0: well, and this brings yes, up Andrew. a this, this brings up an
1: interesting like kind of uh a slice of life in the venture verse. How much of the extraordinary is mundane? Like, we're back at the restaurant, and there's this guy dressed in a butterfly costume complaining about steak fries always being soggy. Right? That is absolutely holding a mirror up to reality. Because he's not wrong. They are always soggy. I want you yeah. the next
2: five minutes here to go get steak fries. No. <laughs>
0: Absolutely not. They are awful, <laughs> yeah. Fucking pass. You know how to, to get them not soggy? Hmm. Air fryer.
2: No, air fryers yeah. are legit. That I will take five minutes on. Like, that is life-changing. <laughs> if you don't have an air fryer, go out and get one. <laughs> like...
1: you know how I know you're old? I like air fryers. I mean, like, legit. Like, back in the day, like, if I had talked to you five years ago...
2: Wouldn't even know what it is. I would have thought that was... <laughs> Oh, man. Like, that is so bougie. I would have thought that was like, wait, is that like when you go on a plane flight and you, like, smoke up in the sky or something? You're like an air fryer <laughs> yeah. now? Like, yeah, part of the air fryer's club. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like, but if you said it at
1: 375, you can really reheat those. <laughs> the air fryer is when you and your buddies are in economy and you just make fun of the steward or stewardess. That's the ah. air
0: fryer. The Air Friars Club.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> this is where we get to one of the great Hank lines of all time. In the bathroom, Hank is trying to get over his stain problem. Brock contacts Dean, who informs Brock that they're both safe at the moment in the bathroom. Hank gets the right idea to hold onto the wall and wave his crotch at the hand dryer. And then proceeds to deliver the following line. It feels like somebody with a fever is yelling in my pants. Perfect. Have
2: you ever seen the hyperspeed gif of him just like humping the wall at like 50 (laughs) speed? That is one of my absolute favorites.
0: (laughs) It's so Um, good. Well, okay. Let's talk about a couple of things real quick this is one of those i think things we don't think about so when you're watching a show and there's a couple in the bedroom and if they're you know of opposite uh you know gender usually you don't notice this but the the sheets are l-shaped you know cover the woman's breast and down to the man's waist right and they're literally cut into the l-shape to facilitate this Mm -hmm. why is there a handle like a handicap bar over the hair dryer, like the hairdryer, that the air dryer. Like was it a I,
1: handicap bar? I thought it was the. I thought it was just the the trim at the top of the wall. No, like, the I mean,
0: way. like you can when you're like when you look at it, there's there's I don't know maybe two and a half three you know three foot of cartoon space uh, <laughs> in this bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like it's like uh, either one of those handicap things or it's like where they put where they would put a a hand towel but instead they just put a hair dryer there. It's like I'm going to hang my or not hair dryer like hand dryer like I'm going to hang my hand dryer poof, right here. You know, I got a I got, got a car.
1: That the electric hand dryer is one of my least favorite inventions. And it pretty much boils down to this invention was so bad they had to put labels on it, talking shit about paper towels.
0: Well, but it passed the the robot chicken test, as as clearly proven in this episode of Venture Brothers. The robot chicken test uh, concerning any form of technology is a simple litmus test of one question: Can you fuck it? <laughs>
1: I mean, isn't that a Mitch Hedberg line? Like, I, I feel like it's like, you know, it, anything is fuckable if you put a hole in it.
0: Well, uh, <laughs> in case, you know, I don't know how this is going to go over well with VOD. Uh, there is a Dimitri Martin joke Ooh. about any toy can be an adult toy, uh, location, location, location.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, no, it, it was Every Book is a Children's Book if the Kid Can Read. That, <laughs>
0: that
1: was <the> hedberg line. <laughs> Like, I feel like the robot chicken test is just Mitch Hedberg. Can
0: you fuck it? Yeah. You think Mitch Hedberg went around trying to... To fuck various versions of technology? No, no, no. It's
1: just like it, it, it's it's like anything can be fuckable if you work hard enough.
0: I don't, mm, I don't know about that. Like, Maybe, I don't want to don't talk mean, about like the presupposition of things you can and can't fuck. Like,
1: it just, it, it just got me thinking. Like, you know, uh, the 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 state showed us that everything was fine as long as it was through the hole in the sheet. And I've seen Barry hump a fridge.
0: Well, I mean, at some point you think, like, you know, anatomical standards get in the way of things. Like, for instance, I have this Coke can. This Coke can already has a hole. Now, I could treat this thing like I treat my missus' back door and just go. But that's going to hurt me because this is an aluminum can, which means there is no fucking.
1: Or you maybe could. I'm in another
0: sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, or I'm, I'm fucked in a whole other sense. Like, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't think you can fuck anything if you try hard enough. I appreciate, like, the the spirit of that. <laughs>
1: it's more of a spin-co-on. Like, I'm just not convinced that the robot chicken test is all that applicable.
0: It, it's it really only deals a, with technology. Like, that's the thing, like, that's the whole thing you have to remember, it's, they're at a science conference, and they're debuting, like, a robot that can do all the things for you, it's like, yeah, but, but can you fuck it? And that's, like, my, my litmus test for, like, is this going to go anywhere in technology? Smartphones? No, you can't put your dick in it, but you have a pocket full of porn at all times. Yes, you can fuck it. You Roombas, we thought were a great idea. Of
1: technology.
0: <laughs> well, hell. No. Roombas were dope. We thought those were a good idea. Segways, eh, whatever, but like, blah, blah. They're both going out of style. You know why? You can't fuck them.
1: You know, I'm actually just going to stay out of this one. I. <laughs>
2: My first thought was, what does a charging port on a Segway look like? And then I thought better of it. I'm going to go with Savage on this one. I'm going to refrain. <laughs> Although I will say, before we clarified that it was technological-based things, I was trying to figure out how to fuck a Rubik's Cube,
1: and I couldn't figure it out. Just nah, like man. a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> I, like, I, I couldn't figure out the Rubik's Cube. I, I've been fucked on those from the get-go. Like, I've never completed <laughs>
0: there's a kid uh he does like i mean i'm sure he does you, like uh tiktoks now or, or whatever the kids are making on youtube <laughs> the youtube's uh yeah he he makes portraits out of rubik's cube and he's like solving them one-handed Duck, tick 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 bow and like then you know of course he'll start at them solved and then have to solve to another specific like arrangement to create pixels and then he'll make like a giant portrait out of like i don't know row of maybe 25 by 25 rubik's cubes
2: okay of all the stupid toy inventions that have been made do you think any of them have ever surpassed the 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 thought of what they could be more than the rubik's cube because the amount of videos and things and like Yo-yos have faded. Every little fad, you know, skill toy has faded. But fucking Rubik's Cubes, man. Like, those just keep on coming. There's always some kid Legos. who can do a new fastest one. Legos. Lego. Okay. Oh,
0: sorry. The plural of Lego is Lego.
2: But, hmm. Legos, and pardon In the Danish pun, baby. but, but they, they, like, Legos have so much to build off of like they're they're expandable but the rubik's cube isn't i mean they've tried other versions and there's other ones but at the end of the day it's the cube like nothing has changed it's just that same damn cube i've just always been fucking impressed with that i'm like you don't see anyone with a yo-yo anymore impressing anybody but you can still put up like a 15 second solved rubik's cube video and it'll go viral for a half minute um especially if it's done by like a nine-year-old or some shit like that like it's it's just kind of bizarre to me the Rubik's cube fascination.
1: I mean, I I absolutely get it. It is truly a test of skill. One that I have never passed.
2: No. And I, I I wonder if that's really, if it is the skill level that keeps it as like relevant, impressive, something that people are constantly trying to like keep working on. And I'll guarantee how, how old do you say the kid was doing the the portraits?
0: I mean, he he couldn't be uh, out of college, like I say out of college, he couldn't be like early college, maybe not even out of high school.
2: Yeah, it, it it's still cool with, with the young kids and they're streaming and they're binge watching. Yeah, I love the
1: way that you say it's still cool. Like this kid isn't doing this because Blockbuster shut down.
0: Like this kid would
1: have been in a Blockbuster for an hour and a half trying to pick out the perfect movie and spending a lot of time eating free popcorn and talking with the guy behind the counter. Like that's what he would have been doing on a Saturday night.
2: So he would have been trying to become a director in 15 years? like.
1: <laughs> so we bounce back out to the Hinchman. And Hinchman, 21, is like, oh, the Monarch's probably waiting in the car. He's going to kill us for dawdling. Pay the bill. I got to use the can. 24 is like, I'm not going to sit here alone. I'll look like an idiot. Dude, you just ate dinner with a guy dressed exactly like you. Well, at least I look like a popular idiot. They both get in the bathroom. And just like the Monarch and Phantom Limb before them, see the boys and then sneak into a stall 24 is like what are they doing here how would i know we gotta tell the boss i'm not gonna go out there dude get out of here i gotta take account dooku outside the stall hank's pants or more precisely his crotch area catches on fire dean tries to smack it out but only (laughs) succeeds in dude stop wailing on my junk just dab it Dude, stop wailing on my jump! Just dab it. Twenty-four comments, and he can't believe these two are hard to kill. Hugh <laughs> stalls over, Phantom Limb and Forbes watching Ward that he's going to kill the Venture Brothers himself. They should call off the blackout. Brock, who still has the severed head with him, hears the blackout call off on the headset. In the he ladies' room, girlfriend is touching up her lipstick as Kim and Triana look on in awe. Kim asks, can I ask you a question? Dr. Girlfriend says, yes, I belong in here. I just have a deep voice. Kim says, okay, can I ask you another one? Yeah, sure. What color lipstick is that? Pink poodle. It's a matte color. They give a guild discount. You're in the guild, aren't you? I don't know what the guild means. Tell me about it. I don't know anymore myself. So do you guys work single? Number two to a man? Uh, I don't really have a guy. Well, let me give you my card. I like your look. I've had it up to here with men. I think we should make a nice team. Call me. Kim says, did you see that? That woman totally hit on me. And Triana has to tell her, she wasn't hitting on you. Read the card. Oh my God, I knew it. She's a supervillain. That is so cool. She thought it was a bad guy. I'm so going to do this. Setting up one of the great things that never happens in the Ventureverse. Much like the Cha-Cha Slide Part 3
0: never happened. Yeah, where do you go after you uh, pump the cha-cha slide that hard? Uh, <laughs> apparently, you go to Florida and get all Christian-y.
1: Uh <laughs> it, it, it worked for MC Hammer.
0: It did. who was apparently winning some Twitter points uh, over some, some philosophical things. Uh, I, I immediately steered away from that. Like, I've got too much mental heavy lifting to go on. I don't technically exist. That's kind of a thing I'm dealing with right now. Uh, So I couldn't deal with MC Hammer telling me I didn't technically exist either. Or maybe I did exist. I don't know what he had to say. Uh, It's, you know, Schrodinger's tweet at this point. (laughs) Don't touch that. If
1: MC Hammer drops (laughs) a knowledge on a tweet, but you don't read it, did it really happen? (laughs) So we're in the men's room. Brock jumps to the window after crashing his car into the wall. Thomas to the ground, lands in front of the boys, naked and covered in blood and now also covered in glass, to which Dean just says, naked. (laughs) That is truly observational humor. Brock motions for the boys to leave the bathroom. He then quickly sneaks into the first stall and puts his knife to 24's throat. 21 is sitting on the stall and shits. Like, (laughs) you hear the splash noise. 24 tells Brock they didn't do anything. Brock says he believes them and heads over to the, like, the next stall. But, of course, <laughs> 21's like, finally dropped on 24 says, yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> so, going back to this magical bathroom with the weird handles, right? So, yeah. like, we've got loaded stalls. Everyone's in a stall. The Venture Brothers are outside the stall. There are multiple conversations happening, and nobody else hears anyone else. It is the world's loudest hand dryer. Or the world's soundproofest bathroom stalls. Like, the, the, the owner is like an anxious pooper, and so he's like, no, I can't hear anybody when I'm taking a deuce and I'm the manager of this fine establishment I don't get my own bathroom I am a good leader, I go where my people go so this whole room has to be soundproof do you hear me Jerry? soundproof the stalls so do you you ever notice that bathroom
1: fans make a lot of noise?
0: you know we've had this talk before I don't think that that's a design thing I think that that does it on accident
1: I truly believe that is their function. Their function is to cover up the sound of your ass. Dude, there are, you will never see a Dyson bathroom fan. Proper amount of suction.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, we probably should. Like, that would actually get the job done.
1: Yeah, yeah. But the job isn't getting the fart out of the room.
0: The job
1: the job is making enough noise. Dude, those fans are designed like old school cop like flower sifters.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. Like they have that like housing, but then that's because it's in a tube that goes up out of the the thing. Like uh, if it was
2: made by Dyson, you would simply fart. And it would just go, and <coughs> it'd be done.
0: Yeah, it would. Be I'm, I'm a savage. Next to toilet, it's- like sucking the odor out. Uh, now I get you, like, but like to you, this thing is like the end of Hamlet. It's all sound and no fury. Like there's nothing. There's no point here. Like was it all sound and fury, signifying nothing? Like, uh, you know, it's just a fan. But then well, you I just
1: dropped a Faulkner.
0: Faulkner not Hamlet I don't know why I got that even like remotely crossed in my
1: no I think that line is from Hamlet
0: was it Hamlet or Orthello? yeah
1: but but the book was called The Sound and the Fury
0: oh okay yeah
2: um, anyway yeah it was a, that was a line from the yeah
1: yeah yeah I, I, I both rift and whiffed
0: <laughs> and that's my point no matter what, you're going to smell it. And we know who will have dealt it. Like the fan, I think it's, gas rises. Why put it at the top of the room? If you want to make noise. So what you're telling me is we noise, all need to
2: be, we all need to be Jim Carrey and Ace Ventura and just walk right out of that bathroom. <laughs> you do not want to go in there.
0: Woo! <laughs> Own it, man. Well, I mean, it's just polite. Like, unless it's an emergency, unless, like, you know, your tum-tums are really giving you, like, a mighty push downtown, like, uh, maybe you can hold it. And now they've warned you, and now you don't have to go in there and literally have molecules float into your nose. Because, fun fact, when you smell a thing, that thing's molecules are in the air. Think about how wonderful and gross that is.
1: It's almost as wonderful and gross as sliding over into the next stall and finding the monarch there.
0: That would be pretty wonderful and gross.
1: Saying likewise that he had nothing to do with it and informs Brock that phantom limb, Hamilton, Phantomos, the humorless dick, is in the next stall. And that he did all this to show off to Dr. Girlfriend. To which, Samson slides into the final <laughs> stall. Ah, Brock Samson. The Venture Mule. Do you always hang out naked in the men's bathroom? Why'd you do it? Why do men like us do anything? Because we can. Wrong answer. How'd you like your neck to match your arms? You take me out and the gilded calamitous intent will rain down on you en masse. Every woman you've ever loved, every mouth you've kissed, every hand you've shaken will fall dead to the ground. I'm aware of that, so let me give you a warning. If you ever sick your goons on the Venture family, my family, I will... Yes, yes, of course. Scary, scary. Won't happen again. <laughs> Funny what we men are capable of when we fear our women leaving us. Being a man, it's so much easier to kill than to love. I'm sorry. Uh, thank you. We're not so different, you and I. Yeah, I don't need another we're not so different speech. I get those a lot. Because of this, mo- this scene, I have been unable... To witness a we're not so different in any media ever since and not think about this moment
0: so this what is the
1: ultimate we're not so different moment
0: uh okay uh vaude i know you've got some some anatomical knowledge and and uh you know you've been to college what is the bone here in the lower arm called the ulna no, like, right, like this bone? The ulna? The
1: radius? Go. And the, the radius and yeah. the ulna?
0: And then what's this? Like the bone here?
1: Your
2: humorous? This guy's nailing it. What do you need me for?
0: So, where can't you see Phantom Limb's arms? He's a That's humorless, humorless
2: dick. dick. Oh, for fuck's sake! I never
1: put that together. Wow. That... No, sure. <laughs> wow.
2: For a guy who wasn't even sure about his knowledge of anatomy, you nailed that. That's <laughs> that,
1: you
0: know, no, I, no, I, that I, was a bit I like, like okay. Uh, fun fact: my just
1: like made us do his own joke. That was excellent.
2: Yeah, I was just uh, chatting with John before we got on to do the record here and uh, ch- see if he had anything about the episode. And he had a couple just uh, fun memories of doing the episode work and everything. And I was like, you know, just thanks again for putting out the episode. You guys did genius level work. You just proved it to me again, Beast. Like, holy shit, if that is what they intended, they were doing genius level work. That's holy fuck punnery. Jesus Christ humorless
1: dick <laughs> it's so good these Although, men are word smart. I'm saying that
2: about every uh, tripod animal now I run into if they're an asshole like <laughs> cause you do you run into a surprising amount of little three legged dogs and shit but if they're an asshole yeah he's a humorless dick
0: that's Fucking why they have three legs cause you that. ran into them
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so the fi- we say humorless dick but uh, they decide that they're gonna shake hands which, can we be honest, inside a bathroom is kind of weird, especially when one of them is naked. Like, so...
0: <laughs> well, one of like, them is naked, and the other guy, you can't even see his fucking hand.
1: Yeah, like, Brock <laughs> reaches out his hand, and then there's a kind of a pause. Phantom Limb shakes, and Brock's like, huh, you know, for a minute, I thought you were going to do the hand thing. And the Phantom Limb says, so did I. It was uh, It was the closest thing to a decent joke, he tells. So, back in the restaurant... Dean and Hank rejoin Kim and Triana, trying to ask if they want to get dessert. Dean does. Kim says, I'm going to be a super villain. Hank says, I'm going to be Batman. To which Hank and Dean say, go team venture. And we get my favorite part of the episode at the end of the episode, which is the fact that there's a spinning gobo light on Kim and Triana when the boys do the go team venture.
0: Yeah, like, when they, it? when they hit the Go Team Venture, it's like a an element that happens in the world, and you can see shadows that it casts. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it, it was amazing. Triana says, dude, I warned you, to which Kim says, I think I just found my first arch enemies. Roll in credits. Fucking we do get our uh, our stinger here. Back at the Venture compound, Billy is playing with the mechanics on his robotic hand, which is totally a reference from Empire Strikes Back, where Luke gets his replacement hand after Vader cut it off. Uh, Billy's like, oh, yeah, it's a musical. You never get to see anything. Referencing, of course, the best little whorehouse in Texas. Well, you're as good as new, Dr. Venture. Don't lift anything for a while. Your arm might fall off. Really? No, I'm joking. But seriously, don't lift anything for a while. <laughs> thanks billy what are you doing there oh nothing the hand gets kind of buggy when i use it for delicate work it's fine now how'd you get that thing that's an excellent question i have no idea this of course they pay off to a series of jokes that started earlier when everybody arrived at the restaurant with phantom limb and billy Quizboy's history
2: so I've lifted that line a couple times at work, training new people on things that are really serious and scary. And I'll just be like, "No, seriously, don't do that because this might happen." Are you serious? No, 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 yeah, yeah, no, don't do that though because that seriously will fucking happen. <laughs> like,
0: you go it's a great, the great mood. tension
2: breaker when you're training somebody on something that they might be terrified about. Just that little level of humor, but also seriousness. Like it, it, it's a, it's a good training technique.
1: <laughs> so. I feel like this episode is the absolute apogee of the boys as a unit. They are on a date. They one of my favorite parts about Hank's character is the way he just pastes his fantasy life onto the world around him, which we saw. Like, remember the trial of the monarch with Mecha Shiva, right? They're just copying and pasting their interior lives onto
0: the world around them. You know, I about died when he said, uh, he speaks a dialect of Sanskrit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dead languages. Um, No, uh, I I love that um, you do very much get that brother interaction. Um, Nothing's funnier. Uh, on, on a lot of levels like on a comedic level or a sibling level when growing shots are involved uh, especially like if you can create a situation where like it's imperative that you hit somebody in the drawing i.e. it's on fire or there's a bug or whatnot like that that's just funny um, but then you know again kind of highlighting all that is at the end of the, the whole bit you know they come back around and they don't even care how the date went. They were just like, the Venture Brothers went on a date. Yeah. We're too wild and crazy guys. Yeah, like,
2: right. And the only action either of them got was one of them getting punched in the groin by the other one.
0: Yeah, he got his, <laughs> he got his junk wailed well on. Uh, is extent. that like first base? No, I think you got called out. Like, <laughs> I also love
1: how fast Hank's response to Kim's I'm going to be a supervillain was. It's like, I'm going to be a supervillain. I'm going to be Batman. It's just bam, done, set, game match point. It almost looks like he
2: was saying it in his head, like reflecting on it to himself, but he just happened to say it out loud at the perfect time <laughs> to kind of fit with the conversation.
1: <laughs> well, and you know, to his credit, he is paying attention. He is following along with the conversation and he is affirming that statement with his own intent.
0: Well, and, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm kind of with Vaughn on this one where I feel like he just happened to be thinking about how much he wanted to be Batman. <laughs> 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 and then she's just straight up like, yeah, I'm going to be a superhero. like, no shit. Like I was thinking about how much I want to be Batman. Like, Like, this was him genuinely opening up, being vulnerable with her. Uh, And I guess we need to go ahead and point out, like, the the elephant in the room. uh, Spoiler alert. Him goes no fucking where. Nowhere. Like, that whole thing. And they even make, like, a point to make fun of people for thinking it was a thing that was going to go somewhere in the commentary. They're like, (laughs) ha! Like... They arched us with this.
1: <laughs> well, and you know, honestly, the idea of Kim arching the Venture Brothers was hilarious. Like, just the head cannon that evolved around this was really good. I think we even elaborated on this in an earlier episode. You know, like, you know, her working at a Hot Topic And like trying to, you know, they go to the mall and try to convince the Orange Julius guy to toss broccoli in, you know, or like what, you know, how, how does one arch from behind the counter at a Hot Topic? Hmm. Like, I just, the idea was fun because it, it was, you know, it was kind of like, what does, what does arching the Venture Brothers look like when it's, like high school, but not like Mean Girls High School, not Heather's High School. Oh,
0: no, it can totally go Heather's like, like Fast that's the Times
1: thing. Adventure High.
0: No, it can totally go Heather. Somebody can die. That's the whole Lots point. of People do, like, well, like, I think that would be amazing if if Kim accidentally had killed. One of the Venture Brothers, and was like, "Oh, shit, realized this wasn't a game anymore." But then he came back, and that just broke her like mind. She was like, "What is reality? Did you know about the Berenstein Bears thing too?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, uh, I see why they didn't really take that plot anywhere. Because, again, they were just kind of giving... It was all junk stuff. Like, let's be honest, uh, Triana is kind of just a junk character. Uh, they didn't really mean to even give her as much development as they were. Basically, it was literally there to reflect development in the boys. Now, and well, I love hey, the way that they, they... Well, and I love the way that Jackson and uh, Doc described Triana in relationship to, like, Boyhood. Treon is the girl in the neighborhood that you would like at the age of twelve, you would just go ride your bike past her house. And like when you're riding your bike past her house, you know, you stand up and try to look all badass, maybe try to do a wheelie nonchalantly, because you know that's how awesome you are. Right? Like uh Yeah, yeah, like act act awesome casual i'm just going to look at my watch here and then i'm going to scope out my hot date like yeah uh the, the same kind of maneuvers um and that's their whole attitude oh, you mean it. Like
1: the, hankinator.
0: the hankinator bingo it, like that's the whole uh thing with triana and ergo with kim because kim like wouldn't even be there without you know triana there as a as an anchor for that right but yeah, like, Hank- that's all she was, yeah. you know, but that, as a character, that's all she was meant to do was to to give us, you know, the Hankinator out of, out of the boys, you know what I mean? And I, I, granted, it was like this weird white trash version of it, but like living in like a double white sub development in like, you know, the fucking swamp boonies of North Carolina, like... There were totally, like, a couple of, like, cute girls, like, way farther down the sub I totally rode my bike past their house trying to get incidental attention. Like, maybe if I just act nonchalant in this general area for about 45 days, they'll notice me. Which never fucking worked, by the way. Like, clearly. Uh.
1: (laughs) They noticed, Beast. They were just too... Self-conscious to approach someone of your magnanimous magnitude.
0: Well, also, um, like, I didn't have a truck. That was a thing.
1: I bet you could have gotten a lot of dates if you had a skunk.
0: Had a skunk?
1: Yeah. Or maybe painted a cat. We had this whole conversation earlier. Apparently, it did not follow through.
0: I didn't consent that, to this conversation. That, Neither right. did the cat. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so as we are wrapping up this episode, what is it about this episode, Vod, that you feel makes it so worthwhile? Like again, you and I had very similar passion and enthusiasm for this episode. What is it about this episode that really stuck the landing for you about the boys as
0: a unit. Yeah, why were you both so passionate about being wrong?
2: Uh, Well, first off, we weren't. Your episode only ended up being one episode, and ours ended up being two episodes. So clearly by that transitive property, we we won. Uh, We took up more time. It's twice
1: the episode.
2: It's twice the episode, clearly. I mean, the way you (laughs) win is you last longer, and we last longer. Uh no the, the thing filibuster.
0: This,
2: yeah, exactly. We <laughs> filibustered right. you and we won.
1: Um you realize, be careful, you're setting him up. He's like, guys, I'm gonna drive this episode six hours later. <laughs> all right, who's ready to get started? <laughs> no, with this
2: one it was uh I mean we're we're doing the look at the boys as a pairing. And uh, come on, the setup of a double date right there in and of itself. I didn't have a brother in my own relative age group, but I could imagine this totally having been sort of a thing. Uh, maybe other people could relate to, but at the same time, it really did just sort of set them up as a, a level pairing. And at the same time, you got to see the dichotomy between the two. Um hank with the batman line that we were gushing about at the end there which is fucking perfect to uh the level-headedness of dean in the bathroom trying to help fix the situation <coughs> sorry Damn. fix the fix yeah. situation um no it's it's a really good look at them at basically one of the last I, I kind of feel like from this point on they do start to actually kind of slowly diverge from each other Uh, we'll get into the separate Dean and the separate Hank blocks. And I really feel like this is one of the first points where you can really see where that's going to go. One of them's clearly going to become Batman, and he didn't disappoint us. As far as we can tell, he's off in the mask going to become Batman. And um, Dean's got a trip ahead of him. Uh, His isn't quite so clear cut, but... um, once he loses his brother sort of that's when you get to see dean become dean um it's sort of a sweet little moment that if a parent was actually giving a crap about at home about it that that was their little boys going on a double date turning into little men um but you know when the guild gets called in and tries to annihilate you and the rest of the family, you don't really have time for those sweet little moments. So it doesn't get reflected upon that way in the Venture household. Um, yeah, no, it's just a really nice, solid, good look at where where the boys' relationship is at when they're still working together. Um, I mean, you can't have that fucking bathroom scene. That's brotherhood right there, I think kind of encapsulated its best in sort of a miniature bottle scene. Uh, bot, uh, a bottle episode in, in inside of itself um, I mean fuck and then how could we not touch on this episode we had everything from like you said the, the, the Technotronic um, yeah we,
1: we had Brock at his Brockist
2: Brock at his uh, Brock uh, you, you, you brought too. it to my mind uh, when we were talking about in the first place how if you were going to show somebody a singular episode of the Venture Brothers and be like what is this show about Tell me everything that this show is about, but give it to me in one episode. Done. This this really does lay the entire show on a plate for you and just eat up in 20, 22 minutes.
1: One of my favorite parts of this episode is that quad cut where everybody's riding in the car. And I feel like the dynamics of this episode hinge on... Exactly the same parts that they did so well right there, where they managed to distill the characters down in a very real and meaningful way into these almost irrelevant conversations that reveal so much about their mindset and relationships to each other. I mean, it's just just impressive, incredible writing.
2: Name another cartoon that can get close. I mean I'm sure you can but at the same time you'll have to think for a second like there I, I can't really pull a cartoon off the top of my head and be like oh yeah, they could have just slotted all their characters in and done something akin to that no no you know either. what I just
1: realized hmm. This is the Aaron Sorkin of animation writing.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, These two well.
1: disagree. No. The, the no. thing that impresses no. me most about Aaron Sorkin is Aaron Sorkin's characters always sound like themselves. Like the dialogue is so revelatory in both senses of the word. Right? It is both a celebration of their character and so revealing and I feel like the same thing happens here we get both like we are the characters dialogue is both of the character and for the character even down to like watching Ward
2: they couldn't swap the dialogue for those two and have it actually still probably play out the same almost because Jackson and Doc, because of the fact that they do so many of the pairs in the show, one doing one, the other doing the other, they do have, it'd be really interesting to see if you could take lines from one set that they do and drop it into a different set of their characters. And if it's just their two personalities split sort of 50-50 amongst the universe, or if they're actually getting it down nailed enough where it's like, no, every line is truly down to a character.
1: I, you know, that's certainly worth, uh, That that's a really good thought experiment. And I feel like for most media cartoons and things, you would certainly find that you could do a lot of swapping. And I feel like you couldn't swap the same way. Like for Springers. instance, do you imagine like, Dean delivering Hank's lines or Triana delivering Kim's lines? No. Do uh,
0: you know doesn't... what I think it is? Uh, you, you got to find your niche, right? Like, um, one of the jokes about Aaron Sorkin is, like, everything's a... And he does it well. Like, I'm not hating at all. But his walk and talks are incredible. Uh, newsroom, uh, West Wing, uh, a few good men... Like, I mean, and I'm just glancing off the list. I mean, uh, even, uh, what was that? Was, was it called not, jobs? Not, no, no, stop. You're just uh, so, uh, social network. There we go. <laughs> You're just yelling arrogant white dude names at me, and I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> so like Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, not jobs. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, even that has some great walk and talks in it, like Tarantino uh is is you know kind of the opposite he's a table talk man um venture brothers yeah i'm
1: shocked you didn't say as you know tarantino is a table talk man Uh, you know i hate seeing him go but i love watching him leave
2: making sure we can't edit that (laughs) so
1: well ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining us for another spectacular episode oh never mind he's back
0: no we're we can go ahead and wrap that up uh i think somebody just fired a gun off across the block i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna call some i'm gonna be the neighborhood snitch i don't even give a fuck who knows at this point i got kids (laughs) So, all right. Well, and thank place
1: for Detroit. joining us for what is hopefully a safe episode of Conjectural Technologies, a Venture Industries podcast. I'm your host, Professor Brock Savage. We are joined by my longtime companion, the inimitable and quite targetable Baron B. <laughs> and of course, by our resident dinner theater denizen and neighborhood window watcher and window closer
0: just call me tom bird,
1: bird flipper <laughs> the vaude villain thank you guys so much for joining us and join us next week when we explore the venture brothers in our final episode of the venture brothers block before we break up and discuss the boys individually do you have any idea what that episode's going to be
0: oh for our, our next one yeah Oh, yeah, no, we're totally, uh, like, I actually wanted to put it to a vote for you guys. Uh, Ghosts of Sargasso or uh, Dr. Quim? You
1: know my feelings on Ghosts of Sargasso, but I- I'll-, I'll do whatever you guys want. I'm inclined to go Dr. Quim uh, because I feel like the foil of the daughters is an interesting one.
2: And then we get to get into the whole, uh, are they ventures or not?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, how about this? Since we know that you're wrong about Pirate Captain, we'll just go ahead and do Dr. Quinn.
1: Uh, I am still ready wrong about Pirate Captain. to show me the true glory of Pirate Captain. I've accepted that it's a thing I'm going to accept.
2: Get your uh, Pirate Captain block ready.
1: <laughs> All right. we're, doing, we're doing five episodes. <laughs>
0: Uh, no, that'll be a learning bed on pirate captain. Uh, you know what? I, I, I'm down. I'm ready to get
1: schooled. Be be safe, brother.
0: All right, guys. <laughs> All right, later, y'all. Good <laughs> adventure.
1: Good. Evening. The world of Hinching may have changed, but progress still starts with small steps. From the conversations we have. Not in the face. To the connections we make.
0: Hey there, handsome. Is that a stick of dynamite in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me?
1: And the ideas we share. I think we need more pleather. It won't happen all at once. It's, it's all at once! But if we keep turning to those around us and terrorizing them with well-placed arching, we'll find a way to move forward. Whether it's starting a new job, choosing
0: a new career path, You know, I really thought I wanted to work in demolitions, but at the end of the day, I think villain outreach is really where I belong.
1: Or making a difference with our unquestioning loyalty and premium health benefits. Because with our communities by our side, in order, numerically, and chronologically, there's no telling where our next small steps could lead. Hinched in, the future is POW.
0: Conjectural Technologies Podcast is hosted, produced, and researched by me, B. Mode, Professor Brock Savage, and Villain, Edited by B. Mode and Villain. Intro music produced by Professor Brock Savage. Email us at conjecturaltechpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Conject Tech underscore pot and Go Team Venture.